Tootsies. We started with being like, let's, let's not swear. Let's yeah. try to make this like, you know, n- nice sounding. And There's yeah, no I'm way. like, I'm in trouble. It's, it's, I had to shake it so many times. Yeah. Started getting carpal yeah, Just fucking say whatever you want to say. Okay. Fuck yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But it's a proven fact. People who swear are smarter. It's science. Is that true? Yes, it's, it's science. You would know better than we would. You we just what? do it. You know what's um, we were talking about this at one point that uh, I'm. I'm glad that there are swear words because when i meet somebody for the mm-hmm. first time i'll kind of sneak one in yeah and it and it's a and it's right away i know judging by how they receive that swear word whether or not like this conversation or maybe the conversation can still go well yeah but but like a proper homie that i know i'm gonna like actually put in my phone and and keep in contact yeah. with they'll catch that swear word they'll wrap it up in a little nice uh Eve Saint Laurent speech bag and just chuck it right back into my realm, and then the people who are kind of shocked, I'm just like, this yeah, ain't gonna work. No, it's not gonna work out. <laughs> this ain't gonna work out. I'm, I'm like that with, uh, I mean, not necessarily politics, but just things that I believe in. I'll casually slide. Yeah, just a statement in. And slide it in easy. You know, see how see, they receive see it. See how they react. Nice. <laughs> That's a, the, it's interesting how we can communicate in more than uh, one way. Right, like uh, the, the I think a good amount of the issues that we're having in well America specifically, but just all over the world, is mm-hmm. that we're only utilizing one one dimension of our communication. Sure. Like these sort of things aren't happening as much as they should. Right, yeah. we're we're not having these long form discussions anymore. We're having these like ADD um, minuscule sound bites. Not, not even sound bites, it's texting, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to post, uh, say communication has many di- dimensions, right? There's like the physical rhythms where you can read somebody's body language. Yeah. Um, they've, I was listening to something recently where they, they measured the rhythm of the heart. Mm. It's like mm. an institution, I think it's either in London or it's in like, Illinois or someplace where it's cheap to have institutions. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio or something. Somewhere in the Midwest. Ain't nobody going to have yeah. no institution in <laughs> L.A. Yeah. <laughs> it's like real estate's bonkers. But they were, they hooked some cat up to a, not a cat, like a, like a guy. And, and um, they were r- rifling off just like uh, different words. Lawyer, um, marriage, children. And they were able to like read his like a physical rhythm coming oh, yeah. from him based upon those based upon those words and those triggers and uh those have to be happening when you're having conversations Absolutely. you read somebody's body language you read somebody's eyes you read some just you you get a feeling that in this new adolescent stage of communicating online you don't have those those uh, tells anymore mm-hmm. it's just like this is my black and white one and zero description of who I am politically, sexually, yep. religiously, and that's it. It's like, okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. You want to come over? I'll throw a couple swear words in right at the top of the conversation <laughs> we'll so see. we know we're yeah, cool. Exactly. And we have a couple yeah. cocktails and we yeah. can talk. Um, that's a, I don't know why I got going on that train of thought, but, uh, but it is interesting to see 
that was a, what it was. There's so many different ways to communicate yeah. between humans be yeah. beyond just words. Absolutely. Yeah. So many different thoughts have just kind of gone through my mind when, you, you know, hearing you describe that. And one being that, you know, when we're mass communicating on a, in a digital level, there's oft oftentimes I've been... I mean, there's no emotion attached to it, right? And so I kind of reread and reread, and was that offensive? Mm, was that did, mm, it, did that oh come yeah. across in the wrong way? Yeah. And one of the things that my husband Luke has been uh, doing and trying to get me to do is just like pick up a phone, you know, yeah. and have a have a conversation. Right. If, mm -hmm. if I'm worried that if something I said might offended something or someone um, that came across the wrong way, and I mean, even the inflection in your voice, even right. though I can't see kind right. of your emotional response, um, gives us a clue, you know, and another thought that I was having when you were talking about this is just, you know, we're in the thick of this pandemic and not to like immediately dive into that, but like Let's we're all dive. masked, right? Right, yeah. And so I've been really curious, I'm like, how can I let you know that I'm, I see you and I'm mm. connecting with you and mm. all I have to work with is kind of like right. this part of my face, wow. you know? I walked yeah. into a gas station mm -hmm. the other day and like had my mask on and realized I was just going to use the restroom so I couldn't act I wasn't going in to buy anything so yeah. I just kind of walked in and like smiled at the clerk and but she didn't see my smile obviously Absolutely. and so I just like kind of walked right past her and was just like yeah. <laughs> and I was like she I feel like she thinks I'm robbing this place right now because I I can't like actually show her my smile or show her that I'm like just a nice guy coming in here to like yeah. use the restroom. So I came back out and I was like, hey, I'm really sorry if I like freaked you. She's like, no, no, you didn't freak me out at all. It's fine. Like you're just, it's everybody's wearing masks. It's like we just they can't tell what's yeah. happening right now. So it's very, very, very strange. Yeah. And then kind of going back to what you were talking about in terms of the Institute and somewhere in the Midwest, <laughs> there's that study, right? <laughs> of, there's that old psychology study. I don't know. I've heard about it. I grew up uh, learning about it. But um, the cues of uh, just kind of race and gender and having people react to images that they see. Right. And, you know, the, the beautiful doll is blonde hair and blue eyed and the ugly doll is, you know, has kinky hair and dark skin. And so that layer on top of wearing masks, too, oh, as God, well, yeah. one of the conversations that I've heard a lot of kind of the BIPOC friends talk about is just... Um, they don't get the luxury of the benefit of the doubt uh, when they walk into a gas station, right? right. And then they have this mask on, oh, which is yeah. even, right. you know, yeah. so that's more even threatening. more threatening and, and hard to communicate um, uh, who they are as a person. And so I'll get, it's just so many different layers. I don't know. I don't so, yeah, want to, sure. I just dove into it's many great. different things. You got some minerals to dive right in. I like it. Totally. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm just I'm so grateful for for this platform to be able to have commun to communicate via uninterrupted, you know, just like intentional dialogue mm. between yeah. people. Um, you know, I think people are doing more podcasts nowadays as as it is, but you know, this is something that Alan and I just wanted to do because we're just genuinely interested in other people. It's a joy to have a conversation. It's so good, yeah, because with, you know, where we're at now, it's so hard to actually just communicate with people. and. And 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 have a long form conversation unless you're like, you know, booking out two weeks in advance a dinner date with your like partner, and getting the babysitter and doing this thing and doing that thing. It's just yeah. like actually being able to have this, and then for us to like archive it and have it on record for you know ten years, twenty yeah. years down the road to be able to look back on twenty twenty and have this stuff documented is gonna be so special, yeah, I think. Absolutely. Um, what was that conversation like between you guys as you were 
as you landed it's, on podcast. It, it was me. It was me. Uh, like both of my hands were kind of placed around his neck, like this in this <laughs> sort of situation. And I, I don't have strong hands, <laughs> but I was like. You want to do a yeah. podcast? You're going to do a <laughs> yeah. podcast? No, it took a little bit of convincing, I think. Mm. Um, and I'm going to speak for you, Jules. But Julian is a very focused, um, hardworking individual. And he, 10 years ago, um, right sort of in the midst of me starting to get busy with music, mm-hmm. he had a 180 change in his life and was like, I want to be an actor. And all of his friends, like his whole squad, kind of like blinked twice. <laughs> what? Like what? You, <laughs> like maybe a comedian, but an actor? What? You? We've never seen you act at all, right? The natural uh, care for any individual, you're gonna naturally just like have your sure. responses. And he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna become an actor. And I'm gonna new- move to New York." And so while all of us probably behind the scenes were a little bit like, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. You thought I was coming home in we, 10 weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we, we kind of thought like two weeks and he'll be home, but um, stuck it out. Went, moved to New York yes. and through you know, the trials and tribulations of what it means to be a, a, a resident of New York, let alone like a broke uh, creative uh, art student sure. in New York. He stuck it out, and he's been there for 10 years, and he's been incredibly focused on trying to do that and trying to, like, not allow all this time, this past 10 years, to feel like, oh, man, I've put in all this work, and if I just, like, if I let it go or if I relax or if I take my foot off the brake, then somebody else is going to take my my position. They're going to take my job. They're going to take my my name and, and, and my relationships with these casting agents, whatever the idea might be that courses through his brain um and so i think uh pulling him aside and going hey man like what if we did something like this this would be really fun to do uh i think we've always had a dream to work together Mm -hmm. in some capacity that's always been a a, like oh man 20 years out like if we're all we could do this we could do this we do this and obviously like (laughs) the typical story of that sort of mentality is that the 20 year out plan if you don't start implementing it today, you're n- it's not going to be a thing. You're sure. just going to you're going to get into your 60s and you're going to be like, "Oh man, man we should we should have bought a boat." Yeah. You know, or we should have we should have done that when we were in our 20s and um and then COVID hit and it was like, "What better time?" Like both yeah. of our industries completely are his industry's a little bit more back than mine, um meaning there's some production happening mm-hmm. still. Music's like at least the live touring world is yeah. done 2022, for 2022 maybe, maybe if we're mm-hmm. lucky maybe um and even then i think people are going to be pretty nervous about being shoulder to yeah. shoulder with strangers um so yeah it took a little bit of a con- of convincing and i think the first month that jules was here he was pretty like we got we got to do it we got to do it we got to do it we got to go we got to go yeah and um but yeah it's been a thrill to be able to just sit down and uh, we both come from completely different sides of interest, I think. Mm. Uh, Jules has like a real introspective interest in human beings, and I have maybe more of a pragmatic um, nuts and bolts interest in mm. human beings. And so I think that hopefully, 
hopefully benefits itself. I haven't listened to a single episode yet. They're so good. I yeah, no, they're, they're good. They're good really good. Yeah. yeah, I've enjoyed them. I yeah. appreciate you listening, Jenny. Yeah, no, yeah. I, um, I've enjoyed them thoroughly. And uh, I was telling Jules, I think before you walked in the room, I've just really, I had no idea. I, again, thought it was maybe uh, artist goods based. Now I know where, how, how goods this comes from because yeah, I've been yeah. listening. That's awesome. Um, and uh, I just have really appreciated that there's no roadmap with anybody that you've sat down with and you've uh, just allowed that the you know, conversation to evolve. And um, there have been really poignant, deep, introspective, funny, uh, real authentic moments and um i have felt uplifted and joy listening to them and also feeling like again weirdly i don't want to sound like a fucking creep but like (laughs) oh i already kind of know jules because i've been listening to this you know so it's 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 really good you guys you should be super proud i'm i'm uh that means a lot i'm proud that we just have the opportunity to do it we've got steve on the sticks who's just a killer my favorite part of the podcast is just hearing hearing him hearing steve chuckle (laughs) in the background (laughs) yeah steve how's my gurgling right now i feel like i'm like my stomach is like oh i let go of my gurgling I let go of a gurgle on last yesterday in a, in a conversation. Yeah, it was just like, we all stopped. It's like, what? Yeah, you know, it uh, might happen. Do you know Chad happen. White? You know of Chad? Course, yeah. So he uh, came in and we were talking about food and just mid him just going down some Oaxacan rabbit hole about Mexican cuisine, Jules just has this thing. <laughs> <laughs> we're all just like, you going to be okay, bro. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Well, I feel like I'm going to be in your... I'm absolutely going to be in that boat. Yeah. No, you, I, I doubt you'll be able to recreate Julian, Julian's appendix. I was just like, how did that happen? Like, our microphones are up here. It was like, to get caught all of it. It was crazy. <laughs> it started in your ankles. That was I know. Really special. Yeah. Um, so, Jin, we're, we're, we're live now. It's been live okay. for 20 minutes now. Um, we are um, pleased and honored to be joined in the studio by Ginger Ewing. Uh, is it Ewing? Ewing? Ewing as in Patrick. Ewing. Yes. Ewing. <laughs> I'm dating myself, but yes. Easily one of the greatest. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I'm dating him. I was like, come on. <laughs> You're dating Patrick Ewing? Dude. <laughs> what a thruple that would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, easily one of the greatest forwards of all time. C- caveat there. Mm-hmm. Uh, center, sorry. Um, but uh, Ginger, you were raised and um, born in the area, correct? Mm-hmm. And Cheney, am I yes, right? Yes, yeah. Um, right. I went to Whitworth. You were a basketball player, right? Good memory. And then yeah. you, um, from there, started getting deeply uh, connected with the arts community in Spokane. And our relationship started, um, like most of my relationships in Spokane, through my wife. Mm-hmm. You guys, I'm not positive how you were connected, but you run a co-op, um, an arts collective in town called... Um, Terrain. Called Terrain. Essentially, tell us about Terrain. Tell us what you guys do with Terrain, because I'd like to yeah. highlight that for a little bit, but I know we've, we've already done something together where we really highlighted that. Yeah. I'd like to kind of dig a little bit deeper into some other topics, but maybe yeah. we can talk about um, that for a second. So we started Terrain uh, 12 and a half years ago now, um, and just kind of a quick synopsis. Um, really, if you grew up in the region um, and uh, you were from here, you were told this narrative that if you were going to be quote-unquote successful, um, right. and again, kind of based on the conversations we've had already, um, 
on like what is and isn't success. We could we can go that route as mm -hmm. well. But if you were going to be successful or have fun in your 20s, you were going to do it anywhere but Spokane, right, Washington, you right? You yeah. have to leave. And um, myself and now my husband and three other of our friends found ourselves in Spokane and in our 20s. And despite this massive hemorrhaging of young and creative people that Spokane had been doing for decades, we recognized that there was still a very special group of people here mm. doing really incredible things. And so our idea was supposed to be one night only, and it was really just to get everybody into one room for a single evening to see what would happen. Mm. And now in retrospect, um, we call ourselves a community building organization. Okay. And you know, art and creativity is our vehicle, is our tool, but really we're wanting to build community here in Spokane um, and the region. Um, and yeah, so it was supposed to be a one and done thing. Um, and fast forward 12 and a half years um, from that very first flagship event, we still do that, uh, that flagship event, um, but we also do a whole bunch of other things, and that includes um, advocacy, that include, includes um, a retail storefront, that includes a gallery space, a performing arts space. Um, we have a professional de development program that we do with creative entrepreneurs. Actually, Teddy went through it. I listened no to her way. episode as oh, well. Um, it's been really fun to watch her her creative business grow. She's been a part of our flagship events like Bazaar. Um, and then again, like I said, she went through Creative Enterprise. So we, we do a little bit of everything that has to do with cultivating a creative scene um, in the region and statewide and beyond. Um, that's so cool. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Do you notice um, any change in, I would imagine you're connected to so many more creatives than I am personally uh, in, the, in the local area. During this whole coronavirus pandemic, mm -hmm. you know, creatives are typically relatively isolated people mm -hmm. already. Has there been any change in uh, the mentality of artists, period, or in the area that you've connected with? Are people like itching to get out and show their art off? Is it not affected them at all because they're primarily isolated people, anyways? Yeah. Is it changing the art? Yeah. So. Yes, all of the above, I would say. Um, the conversations that I'm having with artists here in town is some feel very freed um, wow. by the situation that we find ourselves in and are making and creating more than ever. Some feel incredibly paralyzed mm. um, and um, aren't um, able to create at this moment. Um, some are really finding their voice um, you know, reflective in the moment and taking a stand um, through their art. Um, I one of some of the most beautiful things that I've witnessed, and as someone who was um, just a human being going through this pandemic, is how art and creativity helps us cope with moments like this. And so, um, whether it's you know Jenny Ann Manon and Carly um, doing a Zoom app type thing, creating you know a song each in their respective rooms. Um, whether it is an artist who is taking a stand against, you know, white supremacy through their art, um, whether it's just simply, you know, turning on your favorite musician or band and allowing yourself to just feel, that's been a really beautiful thing for me to witness. Mm -hmm. And it just solidifies in my mind even more how important art and creativity are to transforming our cities, to transforming us as human beings, um, 
to transforming our souls. Mm. And, um, and so it's been, you know, but artists are also fucking really struggling right, right now. Yeah. They're, the, they're amongst some of the hardest hit populations. And so it's this cruel irony of, you know, art and creativity, um, again, just a clarification of what it means in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and us as individuals. But, you know, these, these folks are really, really struggling. They're not able to tour. They're not able to, you know, audition. They're not able um, to do all the things they need to do to make a living. And so it's, it's been a really, um, I just keep on saying interesting, weird, um, just gut-wrenching, but also joy, joyful thing to joyful thing to watch yeah. and um, and I think it's just like everybody this is um, and life in general but obviously again we're we're spotlighting you know certain emotions but it's just it's a roller coaster and you know some people are ha you know have a good day and then you have a bad day and yeah. you know I think that's again true um, in life in general but really being um, highlighted in this moment so yeah that would be. That would be my answer to yeah, that question. So great. <laughs> yeah, you really have, it seems like you have such a good, such a finger on the pulse of kind of the heartbeat of the artistic community mm -hmm. out here. And it's, it must be interesting to kind of just be exploring and, and, and looking into the lives of all of the people that you know and have supported and <coughs> kind of being there to encourage them and to, and to, you know, I don't know. It's, it seems, it seems like a heavy load for you because I imagine there's a lot of responsibility in that and mm. that you're kind of like, you know, like I was saying earlier before when we before we started this, that you and you and Luke, your husband, are kind of single handedly the the responsible for the artistic community in, in Spokane. It sounds like, and and, and 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 that's not me like trying to you know make you sound like you're anything bigger than you are. It's just actually the truth. Um, so going through something like this when there's such a desperate need for art and 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 for that culture to be coming out and making people feel happy because it genuinely does um i think there are a lot of people that are struggling to create and and it sounds like you have been very instrumental in helping them kind of come out of those shells and or maybe 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 not i don't know but it, it i think you are somebody to be very appreciated in this community for having just kind of stood your ground in all yeah, of this and, and continuing to, to to be there for for all of them and us and and just to like show face and, and stand up you are being way too sweet <laughs> <laughs> um and i really i really appreciate the kind words and um yeah i mean i i i don't want to sound like a martyr or give myself um undue credit we work our we work our asses off and totally. um and, um, but there are a lot of really wonderful people also working their asses off. And so we certainly um, contribute um, and um, also benefit from a lot of hard work other people are doing as well. So yeah. but thank you. For yeah, those. of course. Thank you for doing it. It's so, it's so awesome. And I'm, I'm recognizing through coming from New York and feeling like I'm part of some like exceptional community that I'm not. Yeah. You know, coming here and realizing that there are huge communities of of people who are actually so much more engaged in something honestly than they are in places like L.A. or New York or these hubs where people kind of go because they expect to be the best of the best. And that's not to say that there's not incredible artists and people doing stuff in those areas. 
But you come to places like this and you realize and you start talking to, to people who are kind of curating this culture and it's it's so inspiring and it's so cool and you know to to relate it back to the conversation about how alan and i kind of landed on this it was i started to kind of see that a little bit and i'm seeing it more and more and more through every conversation we're having with somebody um i've been i've been kind of you know brainwashed a little bit by being in new york for so long and thinking like this is where i have to be because this is like where it makes the most sense that's absolutely not true. Yeah. That's not to say that I don't love it there and I'm and I don't value what New York has for me, but I have forgotten to find value in all the other beautiful places in this country and especially in Washington state is my hometown and I never spent any time in Spokane. I always kind of considered it like Spokompton, you know. It's like what the fuck is that? Yeah. And now I'm here I'm like this place is fucking beautiful. Yeah. It is so cool. <laughs> Even with like the fire's burning right now, you know, it's sad, but you like stand out on the dock over there and you're looking up at the vibrant orange sun and you're like looking at the lake and you're looking at nature and I don't know, there's there's a lot of beauty out here and um, and it's really cool to to see it and to talk to the people who were responsible for it as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would say that's been part of the, the growth of the, of the creative community, but just the Spokane community in general. Um, and it kind of goes back to that individual kind of self-respective, uh, self self-reflective moment that we're having. And I think that we started to see that probably, you know, six or seven years ago where we, you know, Spokane was always like a nice place to raise a family and that's about it. And we always compared ourselves to other cities, whether it was Seattle or to Portland or to New York. And I started going to those cities. I'm like, this is, this is fucking it. You know, like <laughs> this, this is like, this is, um, but we had this like second city mentality and we started to see that shift, I would say, arguably, six or seven years ago, where Spokane started taking itself seriously and saying, mm. no, like, we're the shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, um, and I think that, um, yeah, I think that there was a, there, I just remember a clear kind of paradigm shift in thinking of who mm -hmm. we are as a community, and it's reflected um, in all of the beautiful, beautiful people and wonderful things that are happening in this community, so... I yeah. appreciate that perspective. Totally, yeah. Yeah, it is cool to have an outside perspective come through and and sort of highlight maybe the feelings that you've had. I'm I'm I've kind of always landed on this like <clears throat> I don't know if it's the rebel in me or if it's the the anti in me, but I'm anything that everybody else thinks is cool, I'm always mm -hmm. like there's no way that that can be cool. What about when they like your music? Yeah, I hate it. Even I don't like this. Is I funny. Hate everybody, no, no, no. That listen, likes listen, me. listen. Woody, Woody Allen always said this thing. It was, it was actually like a quote that it's gonna sound really dark when I say it, but it, I'm fine, Here we guys. I'm I'm fine. But uh, he 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 would always say, um, "I don't want to be a part of any club that would that would allow me to be a member." Mm. Yeah, and this is kind of mentality I think, which is like once you get it, you kind of move move away from it, uh -huh. and I think. I think any city, right? What is a city? A city is just a like a collaboration of a bunch of different individuals, right? So I'm sure you could go to. I'm positive you can go anywhere in the world, and if you're plugged into the right ambassadors of that little nook and cranny, you're going to have a, an incredible time. It's not about the place or the the, the circumference of the the zip code. It's mm -hmm. it's like the human beings who are in that spot, and there's really good people everywhere. And, um, yeah, I think if you can just be settled in, if, if human beings could just be settled in this, like, 
tending to the guard, the portion of the garden that they can touch. Yeah. Not sure. constantly looking over the, it's fun to look over the garden at your neighbor's situation and be inspired, right? Like it's good to go to Nashville and be Absolutely. inspired by yes. the community, yeah. but to like take a dump in your own garden just because Nashville has like hot chicken. Mm -hmm. No, dude, go to, go to Nashville. Oh, this is so cool what you guys are doing. I'm going to show my folks back at home. Yeah. Not like, God, I can't wait to get out of yeah. here. This self-loathing, like, oh, where yeah. I'm at is so lame. Or it's, maybe like make your own hot chicken. Make you your know? own hot chicken. Bring it back. <laughs> make your own hot chicken and like share it with the people. And this yeah. is the, the comparison thing, which is it doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't yeah. have to be like, it, it's either good or bad. Yep, it's it's like they can both way. exist at the same exact time. New York is dope. Mm -hmm. Nashville, LA, all these places are so cool. There's so many rad things happening and coming out of those places. But it doesn't mean they're the only wonderful spots and only beautiful canvases that you can paint on, man. There's like, the, the, it's endless. It's endless. And it starts with um, communication. It starts with friends. It starts with human beings. And, uh, and 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 tending to that portion of your yard that you can yep. clip, you know, that you can that you can nourish. And I, you know, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit here too. Is I also understand, for lack of a better term, like the rat race of having to like also make it right. And yeah. um, you know, Alan, I know that you spoke um, in previous podcasts about like the pressure that you feel, you know, you have this team of people who are now out of work and um, the pressure you feel to, to keep them afloat and the pressure you felt, um, Jules, of, you know, going to auditions and you don't want to, you don't want to miss that chance for somebody else yeah. to come in. And it's like this very kind of capitalistic um, way that we function in this society that puts all of that pressure on us. And so I, I do understand, I guess my, my bigger point is, is like we can paint this canvas, but then we also have to create infrastructure and support. So Jules, you can make it in Chowila yeah. or Spokane or New York, wherever you want to be, mm -hmm. right? And, and also kind of just get rid of the expectation of like, um, and we're not going to solve this in this episode. Now I'm getting, we I'm getting like capitalistic and socialist on everybody. That's Sorry. Good. Um, but you know, it is there, there's this dual reality of, of, um, what feeds us as just human beings and what we need. And then just this unrealistic capitalistic notion of the world that we live in and totally. being, you know, just strangled for lack of a better term between those those two ideals. Well, have you always felt that way? Like, how did you navigate that when you were younger? Did you, did you like always think, did you think that you were kind of going to, because you grew up in, out here, mm -hmm. Genie. Yeah. Um, so did you anticipate that you would kind of like get out and go do like the New York or LA thing at any point in your life? Or were you like, this is my home, Pacific Northwest, like forever. I'm going to develop an art scene. I know you went to college for like anthropology and I imagine that, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And I'm sure that ties into like everything you're doing as well through the education. Not like, intentionally. No, 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 I did not have my shit figured out. So, um, I, uh, grew up on unsolved mysteries. Robert yes. Sack, God bless his soul. I love him. Do you still watch the reruns? <laughs> oh, hell yes. I still really? watch the reruns. And the new one is so <laughs> the good. The new one's hell yes, good. Yes, the what'd new one's really? The, what'd you think of the alien episode? Um, so, okay. I was, 
I was actually working through the alien episode, so I need to go back and rewatch it. But my mom like immediately called me and she's like, okay, yeah, this is even better than the original. Like, really? It's, yeah, it's it's good. And they did <laughs> nice. the perfect thing. Like, no one was ever going to replace him as a narrator. The fact right. that they don't. Ha- I'm sorry. I'm kind of. I can geek out. Go, on, like, please. <laughs> this is what this is for. Geek out on unsolved mysteries. Um, How good's this? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I grew up on unsolved mysteries. I. Um, from a pretty early age, well, actually from a pretty early age, I like 100% knew that I needed to connect with my community in some way. Mm. And again, kind of going back to the narrative that we're fed as kids, I thought that that meant that I needed to work with, you know, underprivileged youth or whatever that happened to be. Um, and while those things are obviously, you know, critically important, as I've evolved and I've grown, um, I've also recognized that just as as important is, you know, creating spaces and places for connections to be made. You know, creating spaces and places where people feel like they have a voice or they feel like they have a bo- that 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 they belong. Creating spaces and places where, you know an 85-year-old white woman and a 12-year-old black trans teen feel like they equally belong mm. together. Mm. And um, that those that was vitally, just as vitally important. And that has been a journey um, in kind of my evolution and, and thinking. And really, it wasn't probably six, until six or seven years ago where I started really thinking, okay, this is, this is my life's path. Um, but yeah, so I... I thought I was going to be a forensic anthropologist, and um, and uh, so after my undergraduate work at Whitworth, I went and got a certification in forensics, and it was through that work where I started to recognize that at the time there were only two forensic anthropologists in the entire state of Washington, and really, really yeah, Whoa. really you needed to kind of go through the collegiate um Routes, you know, I would become a professor, and then if a case came up that needed forensic anthropo- <coughs> anthropologist, then I would, you know, lend lend that my talents, and that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I knew Spokane was where I wanted to be, um, so I was very, you know, clear <coughs> about that, and um, so I thought, okay, um, what else could I fall in love with? And I love Spokane, I love the history, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to be um, a historic preservationist. And oh, wow. um, I was $41,000 um, in debt um, from Sounds school, right. <laughs> maybe a little bit more. Um, and so I thought, okay, this time around, I, I've got to you know, know that this is where I'm gonna go. And so yeah. I started looking around town um, and thought, okay, where is historic preservation taking place? And um, I thought of the Campbell House. I don't know if you guys uh, are yeah. familiar with the Campbell House. Totally. Um, so I started volunteering at the Campbell House and uh, within about eight months of being a volunteer at the museum, they offered me a contract position. Um, so my first job there was via a NAGPRA grant, um, which is the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. Um, so it's a, I'm going to bore you for a second, but it was a federal law that was passed in 1993. And um, if you have items that fall under NAGPRA, so um, human remains, objects of cultural patrimony, burial goods, you have to go through this federal process um, and repatriate them back to the appropriate tribe. Um, cool. And so the museum had a, a collection um, that fell into that category. So I worked for a couple of years um, on a 
working with the tribe and working with the federal government to repatriate that collection back to the tribe. And then after that, um, I became the American Indian educator at the museum, um, and wow. then 08 hit, um, and there was some massive restructuring uh, within the museum, and I, I then became the curator for cultural literacy. Um, so it was really through that time period where um, I started being uh, more and more exposed to art and creativity. Um, we started terrain right around that time as well. Mm. And that is kind of how I've evolved and grown in, into the field. Um, although, it, again, it took me another six or seven years before I realized that this was going to be my life's work. I thought we would do, you know, the flagship event once a year, and that would be it. And I would be a tribal lawyer, or I'd be, you know, something else. But Were you, sorry, Alan, were you... Um like feeling really connected to all that stuff, right? When you, you were like, I'm going to bore you guys for a second, and you started dropping all that information on us, and like, was that inf was that stuff uh, like deeply connecting with you, and you were feeling like really r kind of m motivated to to do that work, and were you feeling inspired by it, and that kind of that's why you kept yeah, going? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that when I reflect on kind of the choices I've made. Um, professionally, again, it has always gone back to community, um, connecting with my community in some capacity. Um, and so I think that's like the thread that kind of binds whether it was going to be a tribal lawyer or, or actually um, when I was through with my contract as the NAGPRA contract, National NAGPRA approached me about potentially moving to D.C. Um, and working for uh, the, the federal government. But my husband and I had just met. We had just started this little thing called Terrain. And so I wanted to stay in Spokane to see what would happen with that. Wow. <laughs> you have a, uh, you have seemingly a portion of your being that, um, that really wants to stand up for folk that don't seem to have as much of a voice as maybe uh, maybe they need. Where does that come from? Is this uh, where you is? Can you pinpoint a place where you're like, I really just did you just wake up one day and you felt like there was a there was a need for some some energy in that portion of the world? Where was it? you had a sibling, you know, like, does that make, does that question mm -hmm. make sense? It does make sense. And to be quite honest, I don't know. I mean, I think my first response to that question would be, um, take a look at me. I've always been the other, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I know what that feels like, mm. um, on a very deep visceral level. Um, but obviously, all the things I ticked off just then, I, I can't relate to all of those experiences. Mm. And so, um, I don't know. I'm kind of perplexed by that question. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I do think it probably is. Um, my mom has instilled in me um, just a love for people. Um, and I was blessed with a really incredible childhood and um, high school experience and college experience and a, just a deep love for people and animals and just beings in general and then always wanting to root for the underdog, yeah. um, oftentimes being seen as the underdog. So, yeah. yeah, a good amount of the time I think folk who uh, feel like the other, they don't come out of that that scenario or situation with a, a desire to to help. Mm -hmm. I think they're m somehow naturally a chip on their shoulder happens and it's and it's throw up your 
your elbows and it's me against the world. Rarely, um, not rarely, but I just find it interesting that you, uh, obviously you felt up, you felt growing up uh, being the other, mm -hmm. especially in the Spokane community. Mm -hmm. um, but yet you, you took that energy and you, you adapted it towards giving and kindness and compassion. And that's so cool. I think that's just yeah. like really, really awesome to see. I wish that I had a little bit of that. Yeah, Same. You absolutely have a little <laughs> well, bit of just, that. It's, it sounds like you uh, kind of developed your own creative voice through elevating others, which is very compassionate and really cool. And I imagine that came from a need to express yourself through feeling that that mm. way that you felt mm -hmm. growing up and um it's it's god it's so it's so cool and I, what like what was what was the experience like you you, you we've quoted the other several mm -hmm. times like what is that what is what do you mean when you say that what did you what is what is that experience like for you yeah um well i i, uh, I okay so i will talk about this in a way that um, I live a really blessed life and sure. I have a really beautiful life. So I, I, I want to underscore the conversation with that. Um, but, you know, one of my very earliest memories was my mom got a flat tire in Cheney and it was after hours. She's a single parent. Um, she drove into, um, you know, a mechanic's, you know, automobile place and, um, he was really friendly to her and, and said, yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter that we closed 15 minutes ago. I'll help you. And then he turned and looked at her black child and was like, no, you need to go elsewhere. And so that was one of, you know, like a very so, early memory. So sorry, your, your mother is my mom's white, white my dad's and your black. dad's black. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, you know, I remember the very first time I was called a nigger on the school bus. And um, and I didn't know what that word meant, but I knew it was bad because of the inflection of the person's mm. voice, the body mm. language that sure. we talked about earlier. You know, I um, was an athlete, um, you know, all, you know, growing up and would go to small towns like Colville and be called a nigger um, while playing wow. basketball in the crowd. God. And so... Or it's, or it's, you know, more simple things like um, I don't remember seeing someone who looked like me on the cover of a magazine until my sophomore year of college. It was the Tyra Banks, you know, swimsuit, Sports mm, Illustrated. Mm. And that was the first time I was like, oh, she looks like yeah. me. Mm. You know, so there's this also this sense of like what what's beautiful, what's mm. not, what's desirable, mm. what's not. Um, and so it's, you know, you, even though I have a lot of self-confidence and I had, you know, incredible upbringing, you internalize those things and, the, and they very much become a part of who you are and your identity. Um, I had a, an in, incredible group of friends growing up. I was in the quote unquote popular crowd, but I was like, I was never the desirable girl. I was never, you know, and so, um, those, those kind of mundane, you know, or a lot not so mundane, you know, I've gone into, I still will get tailed in, in shot. <laughs> like, here's an example. I uh, run a retail storefront in River Park Square, and I still will get tailed in River Park Square when I go into wow. shop, you know? And so it's, Why? um, because I'm black, <laughs> you know? And, and so, um, and, uh, and so it's just a, it's a, it's, it's deep and it's, it's systemic and it's, 
Um, or I'm questioned about mm. my success, mm. right? So, oh, the reason why she's been successful is because, you know, she's the token person who got in because she's black. She's not qualified. It's because yeah. she's black. Um, I was accused of sleeping my way into my position at the museum, yeah. you know? So it's just like, you know, it's just life experience. And, um, and so that's what I mean by, by the other. And again, I don't yeah. want to no, sound no, overwrought. No. Not um, at all. Thank <laughs> you so much for sharing um, that. It's, 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 no, truly, truly. Um, and I, and I wonder, you know, you said you grew up with a, a single mother, mm -hmm. so was, we don't have to go too deep into it, but you can go as deep as you okay, want. Cool. I'm super Sweet. transparent. Love it. Um, was your dad around? He was around. Okay, so yeah. so did you have a really hard time identifying then as like black or white, and then like because you were raised by a single white mother, mm -hmm. did you feel more like identifying as a white woman, or because of the skin color that you have? First and foremost, let's just let the world know, and they can see if you're watching on YouTube that you're absolutely stunning and oh, gorgeous, and so sweet. like I'm not it, like it's it's the best. Um, sweet. But like, did you did you? Did you have a hard time identifying as one or the other? I imagine that's a really difficult thing to try to navigate, yeah. especially when you're young. Yeah. So I think some people <coughs> do. I, um, and maybe this Excuse goes me. back to just my personality, I've always felt blessed that I had the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Like I got to learn from two amazing cultures and um, and that, uh, that made me a, a deeper, more whole person because of that, um, has always been my attitude. And, um, and part of that is probably my mom and just the way that she raised me. And again, she's a scrappy single parent who like, you know, we've got this, we're going to yeah. do it. And so, um, I never felt less than or torn or split between my, my identity growing up. That said, it was probably, you know, junior high where I started to recognize that, oh, I, and I, I would always self-identify as mixed at the time, but I started to um, understand how the world saw me. Um, and was it was very, very clear that I was, you know, a black girl or a black woman. And so I definitely now just identify as black because that's how the world sees me. And I don't think that that's denying any part of me, um, but it's just it's just reality. It's, mm -hmm. it's how the world sees me. And so um, I do, um, because I was, you know, mostly raised by my white mother, I have had to seek out black culture. Um, and, and it was something that I had to go after versus something that was um, instilled in me from an early age. Um, again, my dad was around, but he didn't raise me. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was a culture that I sought out and I learned from, and I'm still seeking out and learning from, but it was also an acute awareness of how the world interprets who I am as a person and responding and reacting and evolving um, and um, because of that, if that makes sense. Totally, yeah. yeah. I don't know anything about that <laughs> experience. Yeah, it's so We hard. can't, we won't, we never will, um, nor will we know what it's like to be a female or a, yeah. a, a black female, you know, I just, I don't know. And it's, it's so, it's, I, just, I don't even know what really to say, you know, because I, I can't, I, I, it's just incredible. And yeah. it's, I, I just try to like have empathy, but I don't, I don't because I didn't, I don't have that lived experience. And I don't know, I just have a lot of respect for you, I guess, you know, and, and think um, 
like the challenge of of finding your identity and getting to where you're currently at is is so uh, astonishing because you've kind of taken the adversity and turned it into something really beautiful and manifested it in this like artistic way where you have elevated other artists who I'm sure you that have resonated with you through your own experience that you have been able to kind of curate and like kind of probably make sense for you. You've probably, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, but you you may have like um, started to understand yourself more through other people's art that you've been able to curate for yourself and 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 as you've kind of grown through this process, um, gotten to know yourself and understand yourself even better through all of that, um, because you do you do art as well? Do you do you create? Do you? No, I have a good eye, but um, no, I, I very much consider myself an arts administrator, educator, advocate. Um, I don't consider myself an artist. Um, there are artistic tendencies within me, but um, I just I consider myself an an administrator, advocate, mm-hmm. educator. Um, I'd like to go back, Ginger, if you wouldn't mind. So <clears throat> feeling, uh, growing up like you were the other, you were different, was there was there ever a moment where you felt really, uh, really connected, really a part of something, really like, this is where I belong? Mm. Did that moment happen with you? Because, I mean, for me, uh, I think I felt that way a little bit. I mean, just grow. I'm, a really small town, and my father was the minister. He felt like, ah, oh, well, kind of everybody, nobody's going to say that one thing around me mm-hmm. because they, they, I'm the tattletale, right? Yeah. Whatever that might be. I think, you know, I, I personally manufactured, manufactured these, these filters that informed a good amount of my life, and, um, and I moved to Seattle and, and kind of like jumped out I, I I had to leave in order to really like find that security and that identity and yet you've stayed in the area um have you found that place did you find was there was there a moment where you're like ah that this is where I belong and I'm comfortable here and yeah that's a great question and um this is gonna <laughs> maybe I sound overconfident. I also am a Scorpio. I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> so I've always been like, "Fuck that! I belong." You know, yeah, like I, yeah. you know, it's you. it's you that has the problem. Yeah, it's good not on me. You. Yeah. Good on you. Um, and I will say that um, that confidence has been a little bit shook in this moment, and um, the I have you know six months ago um, I would have told you that you would not have found a bigger fan of Spokane than me and um, Spokane is challenging me in Mm. this moment it really is and um, you know I I, again I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer but here's another example and I'll, I'll get to a larger point um, so, and it's also going to sound like I'm patting myself on the back and I'm not, <laughs> not what I'm trying to do. Um, but the YWCA does a women of achievement award every year. Mm. Um, and I won it last year for, for arts and culture. Congrats. Um, but I was a guest of Lisa Brown. She's, um, former Senator of ours, works for the D- Department of Karmas. I was a guest of her two years prior. And it's always right around our flagship event in October, the first week of October. And I was running a little bit late because I was, you know, overwhelmingly busy. And I'm sprinting into the event, and um, I literally was spit on by somebody um, uh, because I was black. Like, it, it, they 
were very clear why, on why right. they were spitting on me. So a year prior, I'm going into the event and I'm spit on, and then the next year I win the award, Jeez. right? So there's that weird juxtaposition, that dichotomy, yeah. that dichotomy yeah. right? So weird. And um, I have always been able to kind of just like let it slide, laugh it off. Um, I'm going to be super transparent with you guys. Like I um, have felt a lot of pressure if I, if it's like, if I can just show the world that there are, you know, like I can be a good example of like a good black person, then like maybe that hate in your heart will go away. And, you know, you know, uh, in my social media feed, um, being confronted with, you know, racist comments or whatever. But if they know me and they love me, then maybe that can be their bridge to get rid of the hate in their heart mm. or, you know, whatever. And Such I've always tried to be that person. And um, and a lot of people of color try to be, you know, like there's this, you know, code switch that, you know, constantly happens. And, um, and so, you know, uh, I have been kind of the token black person as terrain kind of rises in its presence in Spokane around a lot of tables. Mm. And, um, and I have in some ways been okay. I've been aware of it, but I've been okay of it, uh, of it because if it advances collectively, you know, BIPOC, you know, people in the community and cool, you know, whatever. Um, and so oftentimes I felt like, I was accepted because I was like black with a lowercase b versus black with like a lowercase. I wasn't like black. I mm. was oh, black, wow. you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of going off down a rabbit hole. But um, in this moment, um, there is a lot of lines in the, so in the sand being drawn um, from multiple people. Um, and Jules, to your point, you know, earlier you said like I have n I will never know what it feels to feel like that and that's okay you mm -hmm. know like your experience is just as valid and really all it takes is us is having these conversations and understanding each other yeah. and empathizing with each other and seeing the humanness with you know each other um you don't need to have my experience and that's okay you right. know and my but my point is and again i'm getting there is there have been a lot of just crystal clear lines drawn in the sand and in many ways in this moment from business leaders um city leaders and i'm just being very general of course there's been some wonderful people as well um i have been really incredibly heartbroken by their response to what is happening right now mm -hmm. um and so i've been really challenged in my love for, for Spokane at the moment mm. on a kind of social justice equity you know anti-racist level um and we have a lot of work to do um and just like we have a lot of work to do in the rest of the nation and in the rest of the world but um my love for this community um has been challenged but again i'm you have faith i have faith yeah. <laughs> i always have faith yeah. that was a weird rabbit hole to go no, down it was to, great so, no we um, do appreciate that no, thank you for being transparent and thank you for sharing with us that i uh i just count it as a privilege to be able to sit down and have a uh, conversation with with somebody who like I don't feel like you're throwing up any sort of walls or any sort of like you're being incredibly kind and and transparent in your dialogue about these like what must be really difficult things to talk about or maybe at least just continue to have to talk about 
right? Like I would imagine as an African-American or a black woman to continue to have to talk about the same thing over and over and over again and answer the same questions over and over. It must get exhausting. Yeah, um, so, but that's actually been one of the interesting things that's happened in this moment and I feel, I feel lucky for is, um, it is, it's exhausting, it's cyclical, um, you know, with, uh, you know, Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, it's, for me, honestly, like, when this first started to happen, I wasn't paying that much attention because it was just yet another person, and mm. we were going to talk about it for a day or two, and then it was going to go away um, again, and, um, and then I got really, really, really angry, um, and in a way that I've never been angry in, in my entire life, and for a good six weeks, yeah. I was really fucking angry. What did that, and, how did that manifest? Um, you know, it was like, fuck you. I'm not, like, this is your problem to solve. I'm, mm. you know, like, uh, yeah. you know, like, I, I'll sit down and, and chat with you, but, like, this is your problem. You guys created this shit. You fix it. You're mm. like, I'm done, you mm. know. Um, and just being, um, for the most part, I, I tried to kind of, channel it into constructive things. I was having, I was calling people out on their racism. I was calling um, businesses out on their racism. You know, be, I would email them or have a phone conversation with them. But like all my old kind of just like, um, I don't even know the word I'm looking for of just like bridge building mentality. I was just, fuck it all. You know, mm. let's burn this motherfucker down. Yeah. <laughs> let's start over. Yeah, and I still kind of have that mentality. Yeah. Trust me. Yes. Um, but it was actually kind of freeing too. Um, and it was about six weeks of that before I shed a single tear. Like I was, I just didn't even have the like emotional capacity to feel sad. I was just really mm. fucking angry. Um, and now I feel all of the different emotions. And I will say that in the, I'm going to, in the 41 years that I've existed on this planet, um, I have never felt more hope um, that change actually might be possible, mm. even if it's small, mm. you know? Like, uh, the, the needle would be, you know, moved a little bit, and it is because of conversations like this, you know? It's, um, it's, it's my white, woke friends that are can still pounding the pavement and speaking out and yeah. saying that this is not okay. And so that amongst, you know, whole collective of, you know, a lot of other people as well. But um, the fact that we're still having this conversation, you know, four months down the line, five months down the yeah. line, brings me a lot of hope. Um, and um, yeah, uh, so I, I do... I, I feel like we're in this moment where there's a, like this baby just kicking and screaming and having a tantrum um, because change is hard and change is messy and change takes, there's that gurgling that I was talking about. <laughs> uh, change, you know, takes really, really difficult, candid conversations and vulnerability mm -hmm. and it's scary, but it's still, these conversations are still happening and that just fills me with hope. Mm -hmm. And if I'm being super transparent, I'm also guarding my heart. I'm like, I have a wall around my heart because I'm preparing to be disappointed mm. as well. Yeah, um, wow. Because we've always been disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's this weird kind of back and forth. But generally speaking, what is happening is fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, it's hard. Um, and it's emotionally draining and exhausting. Um, but so worth it. 
if, because it j just feels like the tiniest needle point of light at the end of the tunnel mm. of just a yeah. step forward in the right direction. Where do you find, uh, where do you find solace? Do you have a, have a meditation routine? Do you have, do you do yoga? Do you work out? Like what's your, how do you manage that exhaustion? Uh, I don't. <laughs> it's, just work. I, I'm, it's a garbage bin of, uh, yeah. as you guys were talking about in, uh, earlier. Um, I'm really bad at that. And, um, I think, I think a lot about like, how do I, um, take care of my body and yeah. my soul so I don't burn out right. and I don't become bitter. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not really good at it. Uh. <laughs> so if you guys have any pointers, let me know. Call me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not Julian's really a little at better at it than I yeah. am. I've, I've really slacked off, but when, I, when I'm traveling, I'm usually pretty good at like taking it because it takes so much. It takes so, I mean, you being a community leader and having so many people on your shoulders and and caring so deeply for so many different lives, right? Like, um, you have you have three pugs that oh, you've adopted. Yeah, they're that, the best. I mean, I have bulldogs. Yes. And like, I know when we decided to get a bulldog, I was like, you realize how many problems bulldogs have, yes. right, babe? She's like, yeah, but they sound smushy, smushy, smushy. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but it's gonna be awful, you know? And of course. Four years into my relationship with my bulldogs, I would take a bullet for each yeah. one of them, twice. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you have seemingly this like well of space in your heart for the the underprivileged and the the cast out and the the artists and um, the flat faced dogs of the world. The flat faced dogs, <laughs> the pugs of the the, the yes. throne, the, the the shelter dogs, right? Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it does take so much to do it. I'm, I'm almost, I'm just, I'm interested in the thought experiment of like how, how more powerful you would be if you went to the sauna like a half an hour a week or <laughs> yeah. you went to a, you know, like a meditation practice. You see a therapist, you like, no. you and your husband must just like have it out and talk constantly. And like, you guys are your, each other's rock. You seem that way. Um, I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, our relationship has its own issues and troubles as well. And um, and we actually could be much better. We have seen a, a marriage therapist in the past. We're not seeing one now. Um, I don't have, I don't do individual therapy. Um, I, I think everybody benefits from therapy. I should probably go. Um, but um, I think that it's, Again, this I don't. Uh, it's this transparency. We're just really transparent. Yeah. We yeah. don't take each other's shit. We argue a lot. I think um, that's you the know. most important thing you, yeah. can, you and can possibly do. There's no, um, you know, we don't have this perfect relationship. We have certainly, you know, thought about separating, um, you know, several numerous times and. Um, uh, if, if I'm being super transparent, terrain is probably the reason why we're still together. Cause, um, as shitty as it sounds, um, there's this like very public, like, pers like interpretation, pers personification of who we are as a couple. Mm. And we've been at times we've been scared to like shatter people's <laughs> ideas mm, of yeah. us, which again is like, um, it's not pretty, but it's the truth. And so it's probably, um, held us together in a way that um, 
we might not have gotten through if it wasn't for like this this wow. idea of who we are as a couple, which is very different than who we are as a couple. Well, that's why it's your baby. You know? it, it can you, know? yeah. you can think it looks ugly, but I would push back on that idea that when you decide to commit yourself to another person, you're naturally going to bring on mm-hmm. other things. You're yep. going to, if you, you know, my marriage, same thing. We, we talk about it the other day when Taz was on, it was like, man, it was, it would have been so difficult for us because she was through the process of immigration and she was Australian. It was like, it, it would have been more of a hassle for her, us to break up and her mm-hmm. to go home than for us to just sit down and talk yeah. through our bullshit. Yeah. And that saved us a lot of the times. It was like, all right, I guess we got to do the hard work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that saved us, and mm-hmm. that's beautiful, and I'm glad for it. And I think that uh, that can be a an overwhelming positive ingredient in the in the marriage and and yeah. commitment salad is like, oh, we have all look at all this stuff. Look yeah. at all these things we've built together. I don't want to like even though I want to. And yes. just like hold you down yeah. and tickle you as hard as I possibly yeah. can. Um, let's work through this. Let's yeah. get through this bullshit. I think that's cool, and and I don't think it's ugly. I think that like any any moment where you put your own stuff aside for yeah. the betterment of a another person, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And it's you know it's. Um, I wish people were more honest about, I mean, marriage is hard. Yeah, it's and, hard. And living with someone, you know, take the marriage part out, just living with someone is hard. And um, and I think that, again, we are, and I sound like a broken record, we're, we're fed all of these different narratives of what life should be and yeah. how we should be. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember at one point, just in life in general, but certainly my marriage was tied into this. I was like, this is fucking it, you know, like, mm-hmm. like this is not what I was told, you know, marriage was, mm. life was supposed to be, you know, whatever. And so it takes some, you know, and I'm still going through the process. I hope that I never stop evolving, but, um, it, it takes a lot of inner dialogue and, you know, working on your own demons. It, it, it takes, you know, talking and, and working on your relationship demons. It, it, um, it's important to have conversations with your friends that you trust, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and getting outside perspective and, um, which is true with anything. Um, but it's, yeah, I think going back to, uh, uh, marriage counseling, I remember being so petrified to tell all our friends right. that we were in, in and literally oh, yeah. not a single couple was like, everyone's like, oh we, yeah, me too, too, me too, yeah. me too, yeah, me too. And I was just like, why don't we talk about these yeah. things? You know, totally. it's not anything. That, sh- that should be part of your yeah. marriage counseling Absolutely. is that you have <laughs> yeah, to go have tell to go your friends your assignment. Tell everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to sound ignorant, but the your Luke is is white and, yes. and and so does that play uh like a factor in your guys's relationship as well just because he has a different experience in life and you especially maybe now or has it always been how do you navigate that yeah. with him um so it does play it does play a part so going back to what you had said Jules earlier of like I'm never gonna know what that is like uh-huh. um the two most important people in my world are my mother and my husband and they are both white and they're never going to understand fully what it is to like navigate and move the world as you know a black woman and that 
truthfully can be pretty lonely. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, no matter how much they love on me, no matter, you know, like my mom, I'm, I always tell her she needs to get a life because I'm her world, you know, like she would do anything for me. And despite that, there is still this, this thing that she never ever can relate to. Right. Um, And so that, that can be a lonely space. Um, and then also truthfully, um, there are times, um, and moments like this right now where I'm, I'm like, did I, you know, fail black people because I'm in a relationship with a white man. God, Um, that's so crazy that that's a thought. (laughs) Um, and it, it, and it's, and it's not like, it's, it's not even necessarily like it's not black people. That's me projecting my own kind of guilt onto mm-hmm. the world. But there is this like, um, um, in our culture, we don't see black love in a way that we need to. And we don't see, you know, black people in the way that we need to. And so thoughts go through my mind of like, you know, I could be one of those couples that is an example of, of black love and, Mm -hmm. um, black motherhood and, you know, all of, all of that. And so I do have conversations with myself of, of, from guilt of like, um, you know, but overall I also, um, you know, talking about white woke people, (laughs) my husband is, um, is, is the best ally that he could be outside of knowing my experience. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, and I also am um, um, really proud of, I'm really proud of my white husband and I'm really proud of my white mom and I'm really proud of my white friends. And so, um, yeah, those conversations certainly go on internally in my head, um, but overall, um, it it doesn't play a a major factor Uh in, other than um, other than guilt. <laughs> yeah. So interesting because there's such a narrative switch that I have to make personally mm-hmm. for myself in that, you know, growing up, uh, I assume, and even, you know, up until recently, it's just like this idea of colorblindness. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I don't see, I don't see any difference. I don't see anything like that. But that in itself is a problem because yep. there is an inherent difference and that I have to be able to see that, yep. to be able to recognize that, to be able to not only just have try to try to have compassion towards that thing, but to try to like stand up and do something mm-hmm. about that thing as well, um, to, to actually see it and to address it and to and to embrace it and um, be there for it. Because of my whole life, I've just been like, like, what the fuck is the difference? Like, I'm just a, I'm just a kid. I'm, my dad's Ecuadorian, so I've always had a really weird time identifying as. Latin American because I look like a white all American mm-hmm. douchebag and everybody like I'm an actor and that's like my brand that's my mm-hmm. type and so even more to like the point of just like I don't have I'm shitty at Spanish like I don't know how to so but it's weird because it's I'm white so I like fall into the category of just being this Caucasian guy but then I'm like you know spend half my childhood in Ecuador and I I'm surrounded by a third world country of people who are poor and impoverished and I don't know it's just this really weird thing that I grew up with and then I you know got into my adulthood and I'm just like, oh yeah, man, like, I don't, there's, I'm no different. We're no different, but yeah, we are. We're very different. And I was actually talking to a girl, um, who was an actress 
who's similar to you. Um, she's from London. Her her dad is, I believe her dad's white and her mom's black and um, beautiful girl. She's an actress. And we were talking about our audition experiences mm-hmm. together and how mm-hmm. like, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, like we were just trying to relate, you know, and have this conversation about like, man, like the tr- the trials and tribulations of, of being actors and yeah. going to auditions. And within like t- five minutes, I was like, I realized that there is no point in even having this conversation to try to relate our experiences. They're so far removed from each other's that it doesn't even make sense to be talking about. Like we could be talking about what's completely opposite of our experiences, but by no means are they alike. Um, And I think it's been really important for me and for other people for, you know, especially white people to recognize that like it's not color blindness. It's it's not, that's not helping um, at all. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to recognize that there is a difference is is so important because then we can actually like you know recognize the beauty in that difference yeah. and try to do something about absolutely. that absolutely yeah a few thoughts i just um listening to you talk too is like yes um seeing people's colors obviously vitally important but i also think like listening to your story and that you have this part of you that um because you're you know passable Mm. um is somewhat tonight that's white supremacy in action as well right and um and then also um there's a sandy williams is um she runs the the black lens which is an independent music uh, or independent music i sit on an independent music <laughs> saving independent music venues board right now so independent music is in my mind um it's an independent black newspaper here in town um and she is has a, a beloved community activist and educator and teacher and writer and just lovely human being she also is the ed of the carl maxi center which is focused um specifically on the east central neighborhood in spokane um, but uplifting um, um, black people and black voices through through that avenue as well. And um, her daughter lives in New York, and she tells a story. And this is, I hope I don't botch it. Um, this is not necessarily my story to tell, but her daughter is um, highly educated um, and has a really incredible um, resume and has... Um, what people think sounds like a black name. And she recently was in between jobs um, in New York and applied to all of these different places and didn't get a single call back. Um, They couldn't figure it out and they couldn't figure it out. And Sandy was visiting her one time and she's like, well, you know, there is like this reality of, um, you know, on paper, on paper, people thinking or perceiving that you might be black. And so, and I, I excuse me for telling this story because I don't even know her name, but she switched her name slightly on her resume and like within a couple of days got like six job offers. Um, and that's happening in New York, right? Yeah. With the city that we think right. embraces so diversity and, and yeah. so progressive. And um, so I don't doubt that the the friend of yours who um, is an actor, an actress in, in New York is having those experiences. Um, and again, the more that we talk about it, the more that we call it out, the more that we identify it, um, the the closer we are to actually doing something about it. Mm. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. You uh, have done a really beautiful thing by uh, organizing, arranging the, the sixteen people, I believe, to come out and paint um, individual letters each on which 
it's a mural of the Black Lives Matter statement, mm-hmm. and it's on what 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 building is it on? If the actual space that you yeah. Do? So um, the the building owners are um, Jeff Oswald and Tyler Lafferty and Nick Murdo. They own a creative firm in town. Um, well, their sister companies uh, seven two and fourteen four. So it's on um, Main Avenue in the heart of downtown Spokane. We have a picture of it, Steve. If you can pull that up, that would be awesome. Um, uh, what's the response to that out here i've seen a lot of like you know blue lives matter mm-hmm. trump signs stuff like that out here in mm-hmm. spokane which you know is what it is yeah. um but i imagine that's probably uh pretty gut punching for a lot of people to mm-hmm. see out here which is gut punching to people like us to recognize as well um yeah. ha- have there been like weird responses to it and yeah so i would say overwhelmingly um the community has been really amazing and um and we've gotten um an incredible outpouring of love and excitement i am actually quite floored with just the carloads of people who are coming by to visit it um not only um spokenites but people from all over the nation um i've talked to someone from chicago i've talked to someone from san francisco i've talked to someone from boise um one i actually wasn't here for this but one of the artists was um, there there was a father and son um, uh, that had been visiting all of the Black Lives Matter across the nation, um, and so they they made a stop in Spokane. Oh, cool. um, so there has been an overwhelmingly positive um, outpouring of just love and support, um, cool. and also real reflection. I, I I sat there and observed night after night people spending a lot of time talking with each other um, about the bigger overall message, but also um, one of the things that I love about the mural, because there were 16 different artists involved, um, that there was a, a different human behind each letter. Yeah. And it really humanized, you know, the the intent around what Black Lives Matter means when you can actually connect that to a human being, right? Yeah. Um, and so it has been um, really, really incredible. Um, it also has been um, ugly. And um, some of you know, the artists, um, when they were creating, um, people would come by and say white power, (laughs) um, and, you know, fuck you niggers. And, um, it obviously was defaced. Um, I don't know if you know that. And so it was defaced. The word black was defaced with red, white, and blue paint. Uh, that made national news. (laughs) That was awesome. Um, and actually I have, um, being, um, truthfully, I've had to, um, kind of locked down my social media accounts to just friends. Um, and um, also my husband and I are talking about getting a security system um, because we have also had death threats. Um, so it, it, it runs the gamut of, um, it runs the gamut. Um, I will say though that, um, back to that metaphor of like, kicking and screaming because change is happening. And um, there are always going to be people who are full of hate who want to try to squash that. Um, But there are more people who are full of love Mm. who are embracing it. And so for me, it's not like I'm excited (laughs) about the the, um, people who are pissed. I've just don't read the comments. Just don't read the comments. Yeah, that's a that's a rule it. of thumb. That'll get you really depressed. But um, 
I, this might be Do it. weird for me to try to t- twist this around, but um, the racist white supremacists wouldn't be reacting in the way that they are reacting if they didn't sense real change happening. Totally. Um, and so that is... It's doing its job. It's doing its job. Yeah. And so... Um, and I refuse. This is, again, the stubborn Scorpio in me. You can do what you want. You can say what you're not. It just f- You're on the wrong fucking side of history. Yeah. You know, like, go kicking and screaming. Um, and um, we're going to continue to continue on. Yeah. We're going to continue to push. Um, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, so. totally. it's so great to see to see you doing that and to have that attitude about it. And I will give a little bit of love back to New York in that it, there have been, and I'm still, I've been gone the whole summer, mm-hmm. um, but I've been, and I was pretty uh, active in the protests that were happening before I left. And uh, I notice I get, you know, daily newsletters from, uh, I'm, I, I live in Bushwick, which is yeah. a little uh, district of Brooklyn. And I get Bushwick daily every day. There's like, hour on the hour protests happening yeah. still today with like thousands of people out there doing it every single day yeah. over and over and over and over and over again and it's just like awesome yeah good on you two of you know? the two of the quotes that have been really resonating with me throughout this time period is um kendrick sampson um, in an interview recently said that there is no revolution without art. Mm. Um, and then Nina Simone um, says something to the effect of um, it's the artist's job to reflect the times. Mm. And those two things have been really kind of going through my head over and over and over um, in this moment and and looking at the Black Lives Mad, uh, Matter mural in Spokane and then just kind of my role as, um, you know, an arts administrator what does this look like? How do we continue this? And I'm getting really, really excited about, um, you know, again, the role of the artists in activism, um, art, you know, large scale art interventions, um, advocacy around that, obviously working with, you know, black artists and other artists of color um, to really um, flex um, our power, for lack of a better description in this moment. And, um, and that is really exciting. I mean, there are lots of different things kind of going around in my head of, of, um, and then again, just uh, uh, the power of art and creativity. Um, it draws people in, right? Yeah. So it's it's a um, it's a it's an easier entry point right. for people who might be scared to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. It draws them in a way that makes them feel safe. Um, and able to start to ask the tough questions and have the tough conversations and like how beautiful and amazing is that um, yeah. and um, so that yeah that's just it's really exciting and invigorating as well what do you have uh, what do you have in the works and how have you how have you pivoted from uh, this pandemic like the last time we hung out we did a small business live um, concert together mm-hmm. that was put on um, by quite a few different organizations, highlighting your brick-and-mortar store mm-hmm. uh, from here, yep. which is in the Riverfront Mall. Um, that was three months ago? Mm, yeah, yeah. How, how uh, has it been since then? How have you pivoted? Um, what is in the future that 
maybe you could touch on that you're excited about mm -hmm. um, beyond just like continuing to highlight artists in the community? Um, can you can you let us in on any of that? Yeah. So um, this is this is highlighting artists. Well, it's highlighting artists and it's har uh, highlighting uh, neighborhood voices. So, um, and this we were working on this um, previously previously to COVID, and and um, but I don't know how much you guys know about the East Central neighborhood in Spokane. Um, so the East Central neighborhood has always um, is one of the most diverse neighborhoods, if not one, if not the di most diverse neighborhood um, in Spokane. Mm -hmm. It has always been um, an immigrant um, neighborhood in Spokane, and also have always had a huge black population. Okay. And um, it was um, ha a very vibrant, especially when the railroads and mining and everything were happening at the turn of the century. A, ver a very vibrant neighborhood. Um, and then the building of uh, I-90 happened. And um, uh, uh, highways and freeways system were often, a um, little historical nugget for you, um, seen as slum clearing projects. So, you know, mm -hmm. redlining and, mm -hmm. um, and that certainly happened in Spokane with the building of I-90. So this neighborhood has been totally just decimated and, and ripped apart. Um, and has really, you know, struggled to recover in some ways um, since the building of I-90 in the 60s. Um, and so there are a lot of students there who re um, qualify for free and reduced lunch and um, just a lot of um, low-income housing. Um, and yet it is just when you think of, like, the vibrancy of neighborhoods and what makes community um, it's still there. Mm. Um, and so oftentimes when we're, when we're, we're talking about people of color or, um, low income folks, we often view that through a lens of what is missing when really, um, an equally important story is to celebrate and to recognize all that is, is still there, right? That resilience, mm. um, that is still there. Um, and so we um, got some seed money um, from a, the former mayor um, to, to do a youth project um, in Spokane. And he didn't care what it was. It was just do a youth project. And so as we started to think about what that might look like, um, my, my father grew up in the East Central neighborhood. He has strong connections to the East Central neighborhood. Um, East Central, in some ways, the Perry District is um, becoming um, gentrified. Um, and so, um, and there is, um, yeah, it's becoming gentrified. And so, again, we just started to kind of permeate on a project that would celebrate all that is present there, despite like the shit that's been thrown at them. Um, and um, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the French um, uh, photographer, artist JR. Um, he does this really incredible photographic work that reflects communities or neighborhoods of cool. people. And so if you've ever seen um, the child or the baby looking over the wall at the border, mm -hmm. that big piece, that's, mm -hmm. that's JR. Oh, um, cool. So we were really inspired by his work um, and brought an idea to the neighborhood because we really wanted it to be community neighborhood-led. We didn't want, even though I'm a, a, a black woman, and um, I didn't want uh, the neighborhood to feel like, you know, terrain was like, doing a project to them. We wanted to do a project with them. We wanted them to be the architects oh, right. of what was happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we've stumbled upon this idea of um, 
that while it's going to be focused on kind of the kids and the youth of the neighborhood, it's also going to be, you know, the really pivotal, um, important leaders in that neighborhood too. Um, and we are going to work with two local artists, um, Carl Richardson and Ronaldo Zilgambrano. Um, and uh, we're going to take photographs of, of uh, everyone who wants to participate in the, in the neighborhood. Um, and then Ronaldo is this amazing... Um, uh, wood carver um, printmaker here in town. He is internationally collected. Pay attention to him. He's a really incredible artist. And we're going to collect people's stories. And so, what we're the idea is to, as big as possible, we're hoping for two to three stories wow. to cover a building. Um, ref uh, with, of the faces of the neighborhood and then oh. use the wood blocks to uh, as we collect their stories to carve their narratives into the story and then interlay those on top of the photos. So you have this big um, you know, piece of public art that again shows just the resilience and the power and the beauty of the people of the neighborhood. And then um, coupled with that, depending on how much funding we can raise, we're kind of in the fundraising stages right now, is um, making sure, I don't know if you guys are familiar with StoryCorps, but collecting mm -hmm. those stories so they can live digitally, so people can always go and revisit those people or those stories of the neighborhood. So it's almost kind of for like a time capsule of who the neighborhood oh, is right Sweet. now. Um, and yeah, just, you know, it's it's documenting, it's celebrating, it's, and, and also too, it's like, um, uh, the I could also get super geeky with you guys <laughs> in terms of like social determinants of health and all of what that looks like. Um, but when people are given access to art opportunities like this, um, uh, and they are able to see themselves reflected in in such a beautiful way, um, it, you know, it creates you know tighter knit community, it creates pride of place, it creates. Mm healthier, you know, mental, yeah. you know, mm. stability and all of those sorts of things. So that's one project that's um, that we're super excited about. Um, and we have a few other things. Yeah, that's up one, our sleeves, that's one of the 66,441. <laughs> Do you have a uh, location for that yet? So we have a location that I'm, I'm sad to report I don't think is going to happen. So um, there is this big, beautiful... Um, turn of the century church um, mm. on Eighth and Ash, or Arthur and Ash, or Arthur and Eighth um, in East Central neighborhood that um, has, you know, rumor has it has been sitting empty for many years, but there's also rumor that someone might be living in it. We've done some kind of digging and calling of the owner who hasn't um, returned our phone calls. <laughs> um, but the idea was that church at one time was a black church um, in the neighborhood and to be able to do a project on, on the walls mm. on the outside of that church um, was something that we were really excited about. You know, we tie it in, we have this program called um, Window Dressing and what it is is um, it's doing site-specific art, art installations in vacant buildings. Our, our main focus has been in the downtown core in Spokane, but this was gonna be kind of like a, an evolution of that. Um, so originally we wanted something where we were taking you know, a, an abandoned space or a raw space and adding vibrancy to it. And we still very much have that mindset. Um, but also the Carl Maxey Center, um, who I mentioned earlier, Sandy's, um, Sandy's uh, Center, uh, has expressed interest in potentially at least citing part of the project um, at the Carl Maxey Center, which again would be amazing because there's that direct connection there. Um, and then if we're able to raise enough money, um, I would love to blanket um, all different parts of East Central with, you know, f you know whether it's under, yeah. you know, a, 
a bridge or it's in a park, why not like fill the whole entire, (laughs) you know, neighborhood or like two or three spots in the neighborhood of like (laughs) the faces of the people who just make this neighborhood so great. So, um, yeah, so we're in the fundraising stages. I'm hoping that um, by summer of 2021, we can start to, we'll have a location solidified and we'll be able to to install that piece. Um, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, neighborhood community engagement that needs to take place um, as, as mm. we're bringing that project to fruition, but yeah. Are there, is there a way that our listeners could, could help in that, uh, fundraising? If, yeah. If, is there a link or yeah. a location that they might be able so, to? So, um, there, you can always, um, donate at, uh, trainspokane.com backslash donate. Um, what we should do is we'll create a little button. Um, right now we have one that's just donate to train, just donate to the mural, the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. mural. We could create one for the East Central Neighborhood Project cool. and s- people could specifically say, this is what I want my money to go to. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah so we can, I can make that happen. That's so That'd cool. So awesome. if, you're, if you're interested in helping uh, Terrain and, and Ginger with this project, um, head on over to train yeah. uh, spokane.com slash donate yes and I wanna, uh, you'll be able to give specifically to that i want to do that and, and as as i listen to you talk ginger I, I i can't help but kind of reflect on the conversation earlier about like you know if, how you kind of um uh maintain your your mental sanity through all of this stuff and you're so seemingly purpose driven with all of this stuff and it seems to be making you whole through the action of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need yoga. You don't need <laughs> yeah, exercise. So. <laughs> you, you're doing all of that stuff through this process in which you're trying to like build out your community. And it's, that is like where that, that's where we're all trying to get to in our yoga practices and mm-hmm. in our, mm. in our exercise mm-hmm. practices and how we kind of like, you know, cultivate our, mental health you're doing it through the work that you're actually doing and it's so awesome because it's like right in the core of what you're what you're doing um and i like i want i'm gonna go and and donate and i'm gonna i I encourage every single person that's listening to this to do the same thing um because i'm like i just want to be such a champion of 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 yours and luke's and, and terrain and everything you guys are doing um god it's so it's so cool and i just like i feel inspired to like (laughs) <laughs> almost like n- stop exercising and start <laughs> focusing on something that's more purpose oriented so that I can be like, you know, and that's kind of what this is, but man, it's, it's, it's so refreshing. Um, and I know that it's like easier said than done everything that you're, <laughs> that you're talking about here, but it's, it's really refreshing and inspiring to, to hear you talk about all this stuff. And it, and it just like, I, I, I feel really inspired by, by you and, and your whole story and everything that you've been talking about here today. So thank well, you so thank much. Thank you for those um, words. I actually, um, you just filled my heart with so much joy. Um, <laughs> I've never actually thought about the work in, in those terms. Does and it make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, I think that's where the balance comes yeah, from. Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. And, uh, so thank you for that. Like, thank you. Yeah. I just, I kind of have chills going down. I like do that. too. What's interesting <laughs> is that we uh, can find, like you've managed to find that balance sort of unconsciously. It seems like, right? You're saying like, nobody's ever put it to me mm-hmm. like that. But somehow this random 
combination of experience has led you to a place where you are so invigorated by helping others and you're so I saw you just light up when you're talking about this <laughs> East Central project, right? You're just like, man, we could put the art over here. Yeah, totally. Man. Like you yeah. were literally, your eyes yeah, were just yeah, glowing. Yeah, it's the best. It's like, oh, this is what is offsetting this this um, this weight, mm. this weight that that you've just you just have. You you were, you were you were born into this situation where you have a weight on your shoulders, and this help and this kindness and this compassion and and throwing um people on your shoulders and promoting and highlighting their experience that's like the wonderful yeah. balance that's keeping you sane because every time we hang out i'm always like oh man she ginger just seems like she has her shit together so <laughs> much I, well, well there's, it's, it's, there's a little bit of i was like yeah, yeah I, I don't know i got dijon mustard just all over my chin right now and, well, to, and piggy, to, to piggyback off that too i think there's like there's you know y your self-esteem comes from not the accolades in which you in, in which you uh, acquire through your life you're not just like oh like your self-esteem isn't coming from like going and selling out concerts all over the country my self-esteem isn't from going and 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 landing a role on a television show like your self-esteem really comes from helping other people and you start to really get that that sense of of elevated self-esteem when you can go to like like I've done for myself to like a children's hospital and made a friend and felt like I've helped somebody. I'm just like, I'm, I, I feel great. Yeah. I feel so lifted right now from this experience. And so that's where, like, that's why you like, I don't, you don't seem to have your shit together. You do have your shit together because you're, your, your platform is to help others. And that's like, it's something to strive for in everybody's approach to life and i think like if you're mm. if you're struggling with your self-esteem if you're struggling with like the pandemic if you're struggling in any regard right now go fucking help somebody yeah. else yeah. you know i was i was thinking about that we were talking about uh things that were fed i've been thinking about this a lot like oh we're just fed this you know what we we're fed this perception of what we believe is going to satiate this human mm. appetite and i'm like what if it's what we eat what if it's not what we're being fed, but what we choose to eat? Mm. Mm -hmm. And like what we choose to eat is the the gram and the Facebook and the news and like we're yeah, of course these people are feeding it to us, but we have the right and we have the choice to eat it or not. Yeah. And if we choose to eat compassion and uplifting others and family and long form conversation, um, it doesn't matter what people put in front of us, right? It doesn't matter that there's a Taco Bell and a KFC and a Burger King. As long as we go to the, 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 the local farmer's market and we grab the, the, the nourishing foods, right? Like, we're going to be fine. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I brought that up. I was just thinking, I've just been thinking about that a lot recently because there is so much being thrown at us constantly and some of it's always going to get in. It's always just regardless of how protective you are of your of your eyes and 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 how protective of you are of right like you are what you eat you know our parents would always say you are what you eat mm -hmm. um always a little bit of it is gonna get in but um but be picky right like yeah. we're so picky about the food that we put in our body nowadays it's a privilege to be able to pick and choose what we eat and what we don't. And we should be that picky and that choosy about 
the the over processed information that gets chucked our way too, totally. right? Like we got to be protective of our eyes and our minds and our spirits and and utilize our energy not for being fed, but utilize our our energy for eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna eat this. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to spend time with these people. I'm gonna choose to to talk and have conversations with this type of human. Um, I think that you are being very, very very picky and very, um, not picky sounds like a shit word, but you're, you're being precise Mm -hmm. about what you eat, Ginger. And that's, um, uh, that's led itself to, to what I would, uh, describe as a really positive and influential human being in my life specifically (laughs) and in the community. So thank you so much for, for being choosy, bud. I think what Alan's (laughs) also saying is stop following Khloe Kardashian and start following Ginger Ewing. (laughs) <laughs> if you're welcoming to or maybe people just to or maybe just quit following yeah 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 maybe yeah. Maybe, maybe just quit following and start walking hmm. um i will say too it's um i uh so we all fall into that trap right you yeah know, like i'll post something i'll be like why the fuck did i only get 46 you know like whatever like yeah. this is like so stupid and then i take my three flat face dogs yeah. on a walk and i'm like <sighs> it's all the self-esteem you need and yeah it's um and it's a constant reminder and it's constant work and but i i you i just you could philosophize all day yeah. the both of you to me and i would eat it up i would consciously eat it up <laughs> yeah there we go choose what you eat be careful what you eat ginger thank you so much yeah, for being on the show yeah. and for sharing. will you come back of course i would i'd love to come back and i again i just you guys this is so fun and so needed and um is going to be so impactful and i feel a little bit bad that our conversation was so serious I you guys don't. had like this well let's have you know no, good no, balance no. of we'll like talk about levity. pooping our pants on, on act two next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> everybody's got no one. i think you've i think you've uh you've successfully expanded our empathy um in, yeah as people and that's huge and hopefully the people that have listened as well it's good work oh. it's, it's awesome. good work you <laughs> yeah. do good work ginger um well, I just, like I said, I think that um, uh, this brings me hope. And so thank you. Um, and, yeah, I just, I, I, I need this in, in my life as so well. Do we. So do yeah. Everybody you. needs a little yeah. bit yeah. more of yeah. this. This is good stuff. Um, like we're best thank friends. you for sharing it. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for yeah. sharing you your so time much, with us and for sharing your honesty and authenticity with us and, and your so experience with <laughs> us. Um, is there any place that wh- where where should we send our our viewers to help support you to to help support what you're up to? Um, I think uh, again, just uh, trainspokane.com is a good um, starting point just to see kind of the work that we do in the community. Um, we do have a retail storefront in River Park Square called From Here, um, and there are it, it kind of ebbs and flows, but there are currently 72 creative businesses, all local, that are selling out at that shop. Yeah, dude. Um, and going back to kind of the people who are struggling in this moment, um, those businesses certainly could use use y'all's support. Um, so check us out there. Um, we also have an online store from here, Spokane.com. Um, and yeah, just, uh, you can always hit us up if you have ideas. Um, we love to collaborate. We wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for partnerships and collaborating with other individuals and organizations. Um, so we're always curious to hear your ideas. Um, so throw them our way. 
Thank you so much, Ginger. You're a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Ginger. Oh, boo-boo, did you just make it to the end of the video? Yes, you did. Do you want to see more videos just like this one, huh? Do you? Well, then head over to patreon.com slash live at the lodge where you can support the how goods of this podcast as well as the entire live at the lodge family. Yep. Yeah, you're going to get exclusive merch, personalized shout-out videos. Me and Jules, we're going to show up at your house and baptize your nephew, huh? Check it out, patreon.com slash live at the lodge. lodge.